welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Daryl Etherington. Every week we review a new streaming show or movie. This week we are going to be reviewing the second season of Emily in Paris, which actually came out at the end of last year, just at the very, very end of the year. But we had a few other things we wanted to get to first. Um, but I got the sense, Daryl and Jordan, that you were both excited about season two, even though this is a show that sometimes people on social media roll their eyes at a little bit. Yeah, of course. I mean, the first season was very good. So. <sighs> it's like you have to, sometimes you can get excited about something to roll your eyes at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. that's the, it's delightful. Like it's just a delightful show that's really snackable and consumable and it's just fast paced enough and kind of silly enough and funny enough that you don't really mind the ridiculousness or if you do it's like baked into part of the delight right i think it's also like it it reminds me especially now that this is out and and just like that is out and it's like oh this is like this is the true successor to Sex and the City in terms of spirit and enjoyability and stuff. And, and just like the, that is like bad and no good. <laughs> so, because it's the same creator, right? Isn't yeah, it? so Darren Starr created yeah. Sex and the City, although he wasn't, he was only involved, I think, for, with Sex and the City for the first couple seasons. And this other writer director, Michael Patrick King, was really the the showrunner and then also made the movies and is the guy making and just like that. So he's kind of been uh-huh. in charge of Sex in the City for, for most of its existence except for the first couple of seasons. Darren Starr uh, created Sex in the City and then did a bunch of other things including Younger and then created Emily in Paris. Okay. And I mean, I haven't seen and just like that, so, so maybe no one should listen to what I have to say, but I it is an interesting contrast in that the response to and just like that seems to have really been this dissatisfaction with kind of how sour and like just how much of a downer the show is mm, yeah and this is just pure candy you know in a way that yeah. i mean I, th- I think people talk about uh and, and i've like recently started to watch a little bit of the original sex in the city is that it's it's a there's certainly a lot of it that's a fantasy, and that's okay. You, you accept that there's a, an element of, okay, this takes place in a fantasy New York in the same way that this is taking place in a fantasy Paris. And you, once you accept that, I mean, again, none of us are Parisians, but... Well, speak for yourself. Yeah. You don't know. You know who I am. You don't know <laughs> shit about me. None of us are currently Parisians. You don't know merde about me. <laughs> oh, no. We're going to get emails. Uh, yeah, I think that's an accurate kind of like assessment of both of them. But I, there's another part that I think maybe people don't want to say, but it, it might be true too, which is that getting old is horrible and makes you bitter and sad. And there's nothing you can do to paper over that in television shows. And so like, <laughs> wow. it's just fun to watch the young people having fun. And it's no fun to watch the old people having no fun because we're already there. (laughs) Although I would counter that there are middle-aged characters in Emily in Paris, and even though they're not the focus. Yeah, but they're French. They're having so much more fun. (laughs) Oh, they're having a blast. Yeah, Yeah, you would think. Because they're French. Yeah, that's right. That's why. French old people have a great time. That's different. Yeah. (laughs) French old people, I mean, there's been a bunch of articles about, what's-her-face, Sylvie. 
oh, since right. the okay. second season has come out about like sex positive older women and like loving aging and blah 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 so she's an inspiration for sure but sylvie's my favorite character yeah me too yeah yeah and just like that is very um i don't know it's just like so weighted right like you go into every time i turn it on i'm like cool light fun this and then like there's always one scene where you're just like well that's fucking dark Mm. And I don't care about anyone in the show enough to be like, oh, that's dark. Oh, no. And it makes me upset. It's just like, yeah, what it's a like, downer. Ugh, I came here for giggles. Right. I came here to look at Charlotte's botched any job, whatever. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but the work that they did on. What, what's the actress's name? It's not. Oh, good. I don't know. It's like Charlotte. she forgot the one important thing, which is Botox, and did everything else. I don't know. I, oh I sound God. like a terrible person, but it's true. <laughs> like, if you're going to do that I'm much work, do it right. On this one. Yeah, the, the, two, the two men on the podcast are like, so, <laughs> absolutely I mean, not. That's probably that. the safe play, but. Um, well, I was surprised by my response to the second season because when we discussed the season one, I didn't. I think all of us were kind of like people are kind of going overboard in terms of hating on the show, right? But I, I definitely didn't love it. I, I watched half the first season for the review, and I was like, all right, I'm good, and then wasn't particularly excited to revisit it. And when I started it, I was hooked. I mean, started season two, I was really hooked, and I think some of that is maybe just getting more used to the show as this sort of ridiculous soap opera fantasy. And some of it maybe was also just where my head was at, that at the end of January 22, which I think a lot of people <laughs> have found to be a sort of grind of, of a time. No yeah, way, exactly. that's good. No. It's <laughs> you haven't felt that? It felt like it just I think it's time been flies fantastic. when you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love like, being encased in ice. This is essentially what yeah. we have right here in Toronto. What's so, that meme? Yeah. Canada. What's that meme when they're like, I'm cold and I'm tired and I keep gaining weight and I'm behind on work and I <laughs> and I like need to take care of a million errands, but I don't want to do any of that because I'm cold. Oh, I don't know that one. That's good. <laughs> and I like just I think like being able to be in this fantasy Paris with amazing outfits, with beautiful people sleeping with each other and no acknowledgement of coronavirus or anything. Oh, it yeah, was exactly good. what I wanted. It was just perfect. That's another part where the other one is so bad because they're constantly like, remember coronavirus? Oh, it's bad. Uh, imagine. And then they're making bad, easy jokes about it. And you're like, don't. Don't joke about it, Sarah Jessica Parker and the other ones. Don't. They yeah. don't want it. Yeah. They're like, that was such a tough time. Good thing it's <laughs> over. <laughs> God. It's Let's like go see a terrible podcaster comedian. <laughs> Yeah. The first episode of the new Gossip Girl also started with all the characters being like, thank God coronavirus is over. And I was like, I got to stop right now. <laughs> yeah, much better to be an Emily in Paris and be like, a what? Oh, je ne sais pas. Okay, here we go. Je ne sais um, pas. I also think, I think this one, it, this is going to maybe... So, okay, admission, I didn't finish the whole season. And I, I, like, watched a bunch of it when it came out immediately. And then I just kind of, like, forgot and then and then was like, I watched it all, right? And then I realized, oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. Um, Which is weird because I think 
the thing I was going to add to Anthony's comment is I also think this one is better in just a lot of fundamental ways. I think it's a better written, better just like executed show overall from season one. Well, I think they like expanded the character pool, right? Like it's a critical piece of moving from season to season in a series is like who you bring in and what they do. And I think the expansion of the character pool and kind of elimination or like turning down the volume on some other characters is probably a good thing in general and helped with the writing. I also just think like, I think subplot wise we did a lot better. And then on a plot, we actually didn't really like Mm. if the general premise, like, are we, are we, are we able to spoil season one? I think we should say that, yeah, we can spoil season one, um, but but not season two yet. So season one was like Emily was in love with Gabriel, and they were in love together, but Camille was always in the way, right? And then when they broke right. up, they slept together, and then she finds out that he's staying. So we've got a weird love triangle. That's like feels like a plot to me. Um, and the premise of season two is like how Emily is choosing to deal with that, and it like I realize that the show is ridiculous in and of itself, but like Emily's kind of like plan or motivations aren't usually that ridiculous. Like they might be even like the opposite, like super obvious. And that's exactly what you should do in the most basic sense. Right. So how she chooses to go about it just doesn't feel quite right to me. Like I was always like, this doesn't make any sense, Emily. Like, it just doesn't make Mm. sense. I agree that it was very frustrating that I was just constantly, like, Emily, especially for the first few episodes, I was like, Emily is a bad person with bad ideas. Yeah. But I was okay with that. (laughs) Right. I was also okay with that. I did, oh, so, like, the big exception to that comment that I had about stuff being better written is like again I just didn't really I thought it was okay that she was a bad she is a bad person I thought they were just more like she is direct about like she's a bad person like in the first one it's kind of like oh I think if you're watching this from maybe an American perspective you're like she's a good person and this is fine but anywhere else in the world is like wow she's a bad person and she's not doing a very good job of integrating into another culture with good and bad but okay (laughs) Like, I'm not the bad guy anymore after what I said about Charlotte, based on you no, guys no. just throwing around she's a bad guy. We're person. just throwing around who's bad and good. Yeah. But the the part in this that I hated, that, all, like, probably, I mean, it wasn't directly responsible for me falling off, but it was definitely something where it was a building frustration, is the Mindy sub-story. Oh I was like, God. I do not care about this. Why do they have a fucking song and singing number with this woman that is, is the entire thing? It's it's, a, so it's the full song. Awful. Like, what are you doing? Get this out of this show. It sucks. Oh, it was, who did she pay? It was. I thought she was like a producer. Crazy. Driving me Ugh. fucking crazy. Remember Hated when it. we? I don't know if you guys remember this, but we had because Danny was researching the podcast in order to do her acclaimed episode where we talked right. about the Christmas Prince movies. The best episode we've ever done. The the top episode for sure. Um, we listened to our old Emily in Paris, our season one Emily in Paris original content episode. And I was so upset about the singing. And I was like, please, Netflix, please, showrunners. Like, Mindy does not have a good enough voice to take over full things. Like, stop no. it. Stop doing it. it. It's not working. Like, no one gives a shit. 
And they were like, let's double down in season let's two. And let's do a full. <laughs> so much of this. Yeah, like let's do it in every episode if we could. If we can make it work in every episode, we should do that. And it was so annoying to me. Oh. <sighs> but Anthony liked it. so I liked it. It was like a nice break from whatever drama was going on in the episode. And for two minutes, no. you'd be like, all right, she's just going to. You're wrong. Do You're a bad ever. person. And they just kept having her like butcher classics too. It's like, what are you doing? Like, this is such a good song. She's destroying it. This well, is horrible. The original though, like the one original song that they did. Did you guys get that far? I don't think so. There was an original song that they wrote as a band that they played, which has like a pretty solid verse and a pretty solid bridge and a terrible chorus. Like, and it feels like a symbol for Emily in Paris in general, which is like, okay, all right. I was like, stop Mindy from singing. (laughs) (laughs) Over and over again. The other thing I would say about Mindy singing is that, I mean, I think she's a a fine singer, not like an amazing. She's a fine singer. Sure, fine, yeah. Yeah. Like if you were in a group with like her, like you were a group of friends with her at karaoke, you'd be like, wow, she's really talented. But I don't need to see her given her own fucking full song segment on a television show. Even if you That's were like kind of on the streets of Paris or like in a restaurant and she was the live music entertainment, that also would be fine. Because you'd be like, oh. It would not be objectionable to me. Yeah, you'd be like, okay, cool. Not yeah. good for her, right? And then like you just keep walking or you just like keep eating and having keep conversation. Keep eating and talking. But like yeah. we're not eating and having conversation or walking through Paris. We're watching a TV show and we're watching her sing the whole time (laughs) and it was so contrived it was like you've just contrived this b plot so that she gets to sing that was the most offensive part yes like someone out there in the world is really wanting to make her a star that's fair i have i have no um no argument against that good there's there's no like real justification from it for it from a story perspective they just decided they wanted to do that and i found it relatively soothing and fun but sounds like you guys right. did not. But you're did wrong the opposite of Sue's. It's not yeah. a difference of opinion. You're just incorrect. You're a bad person okay. and Daryl's a good person. <laughs> okay. I'm glad we've established that. So just to back up for a second for people who haven't necessarily seen the show or just watched a few episodes of the first season and have completely forgotten about it, the, the setup for the show is this American, Emily, who at the last minute gets to go to Paris for her marketing job to work at this French French marketing agency and you know the first season like you said is about a lot of the first season is her basically being like what about influencer campaigns and then her boss her like colleagues and boss being like oh no you're so American and then the clients like oh my god this is brilliant and I those were the storylines I found the most sort of ridiculous and tedious in the first season and I like that they've they've turned that down in season two that it's not as much of people being just amazed that Emily is aware that Instagram exists. Um, and, and it's much more that when people get exasperated with her Americanness, it's because she's done something genuinely kind of silly or stupid. Mm, yeah. yeah. And then it, it is also the, her plot then is not will they or won't they with, with Gabriel, but instead the, the aftermath of, uh, uh, her sleeping with him, and then this romantic triangle, which love triangle, yeah. I was, yeah, I, I enjoyed that plot. I thought they, 
they they paced it the right way that it wasn't like at least in in the part of the, I've seen the first six episodes of the season and I thought that they've it, they're not like dragging things out or anything it's it feels like they're developing it in pretty fun and interesting ways yeah I do I like the other I like that the other romantic guy because of his uh, personality I like that he was like a Brit who is like even more even further a field from Emily in terms of like French cultural integration. Like essentially he's like against it, which was kind of fun. Um, that was like the only interesting thing about him though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. They were like, let's find one way to make him a unique character. He'll hate Paris and that'll be his entire fucking personality. He's also very British. Yeah. And he thinks like- Emily is a workaholic, which she is. Oh Yeah. Yeah, but he also well, that, is jealous I mean, yeah, of her true. fun job. I don't know. Did that? I don't. I missed that part. Maybe He's, he like on. talks about like, oh, you go to parties and like, yeah, like I would work late too if I was like doing a restaurant oh. lunch and stuff like that. Like, right, 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 right. He's oh my god, the restaurant lunch too. I'm I'm now we're at the point where maybe we should start moving into spoilers. Okay, but. okay. Um, one other thing I think they did more of in this in the second season even though it's still not realistic, is it feels like there's more actual French dialogue in the show that... Way more. In the, yeah, in the first season, it's basically everyone is talking, in, speaking English in with French accents, and then... Because, like, Emily's in the, in the season, room in almost every scene, right? Right. So, like, they allow mm-hmm. the characters to stand on their own a little bit more, and when Emily's not around, and there's two French people speaking, of course, they're speaking French to each other. Right, right. Which is a very small thing, but it's great. I, I appreciated yeah. that, it, you know. Yeah, you weren't seeing two French people speak to each other in English if Emily wasn't around. Yeah, I appreciated that. It actually, like, Realism. Yeah. It really de- it dove deep into the realism. <laughs> well, like, from the starting place of this is completely and entirely unrealistic, it, like, did yeah. have an impact. <laughs> yeah, the fact that, like, every meeting that Emily is in, people with one notable exception oh that people was people are best. willing are willing to just speak english for her is pretty nuts yeah yeah and the fact that she hasn't gotten better yet like what six months i mean i don't expect her to be like perfectly fluent but like when you're that immersed in a language like you start yeah. to figure it out pretty quickly yeah i like that part too because it is another it's another like oh no oh, like you thought that but like guess what she's actually just bad at it. we're explicitly gonna say she's just bad at she's it. bad at so it's more like yeah emily's a bad person and she's bad at french also <laughs> she's kind of dumb and she's bad well, we don't like her <laughs> well we do like her though that's the thing yeah we she's still do oddly like likable isn't she yeah uh are there other things we should discuss before we get into the second season i mean into spoilers for the second season no, I mean, I think they're doing a, a third, so don't They're doing a third and worry. a fourth. And a oh, fourth. Oh, shit. We're going for it. You're going to get plenty well, of Emily. I mean, okay. Maybe so she'll go somewhere else, and then they'll have to change the name of the show. Here's what I'll say. Like, it's super unbelievable and silly, but, like, I'd actually think at a structural level, they're doing a pretty good job, considering the fact that we're moving qu- so quickly through things, right? Like, the, all the tropes and tools that they have at their disposal they're just like throwing at you like two per episode right so like we're moving really quickly but structurally i mean i felt like at the end of season two we were set up properly for a season three like 
the pieces are on the game board properly to like go and do a structurally sound season three and that I think is hard to do when you're moving so quickly. So well, I think they're they're getting early tip offs that like, hey, don't worry, like you should prepare for this or whatever. Which is a lot of a lot. It's not a luxury that a lot of the Netflix shows don't necessarily get, right? Which probably helps. But. Yeah. Cause, so you don't have the awkward like, are well, we? Well, they uh, won't. They like, should we yeah, wrap yeah. it up? Should we happy yeah. ending this motherfucker? Or It'll leave a little bit of a door open. I would also say that. The second season, in a way that the first season did not, really makes me want to move to Paris and go work for a marketing agency. So yeah, that's good true. Job. It does make that seem good. I mean, it, if, part of that is like that's where the real fiction comes in because it's like, oh look at how fun this is. Like, uh, oh you got to market. What is it? Courgettes? No, leeks. Leeks <laughs> is like a big thing. And then like, yeah, it's just so fun. It's like it's like the funnest thing where it's like. There's basically no like real results beyond like cool we got some buzz and there's you, there's no like dashboards with like SEO performance and whatever <laughs> right. like comparing your campaigns on Facebook it's like oh like here's a fun cool idea let's put some guy's face on a thing and you're like oh we so fun which does seem really fun it's all pitch meetings shoots parties, parties. and Instagram posts yeah yeah the finer things in life yeah all right well let's move into spoilers so if you have not watched the entirety of season two of emily in paris and you don't want to know what happens you should stop listening now so the way the romantic triangle develops initially is that emily is trying to assuage her guilt about sleeping with gabriel by getting gabriel and camille back together while she also goes to uh, uh, Saint Tropez, how do you say it? Saint Tropez, Saint Tropez, Saint Tropez. Yeah, uh-huh. um, with her, uh, uh, I guess a coworker who's also interested in her for like a romantic weekend getaway, and that kind of all blows up. A client. A client. Yeah. Wait, just yeah. a quick note. When I was little, I used to think that Saint Tropez was like S A N D R O as one word, like Sandro. And then Sandro, like, pay. Pay, yeah, like P-E, maybe. Like, well, that's a helpful mm. way to think about it, so I know how to pronounce it. I just like heard it in rap songs. So I was like, Sandra Sandro Ray. Pay sounds cool. Where <laughs> yeah. is this Sandro Pay? So she has a conversation <laughs> with Gabriel, uh, the chef that she slept with, while on the sleeper car that she's supposed to share with this client slash potential boyfriend and then overhears it <laughs> and is like i'm out of here but you can still use the hotel room um yeah. and she goes to saint tropez and ends up having sort of a long weekend with uh kemi and uh mindy and mindy it's uh yeah the whole weekend i mean that was the episode where i was definitely like really fed up with emily where she sort of spends half the time trying to stop uh kemi from hooking up with somebody and the other half of the episode demanding that this restaurant promote this terrible champagne. Not even, pro- like, it, it's oh, like right. promote by spraying it all around the restaurant yeah. that people have to clean. I mean, that's kind of a fun running joke about that stupid champagne is that it's garbage and everyone knows it's only good for spraying it. Right. <laughs> right. Including the people who own this champagne 
business. Well, at least the daughter. I don't know about the parents. I'm sure they know too. And then yeah. that they named it after the dad. Like oh, yeah. Champagne is like just pair uh, for dad. The champagne. Oh, <laughs> Everyone also just has to keep reminding her, you know, this is literally illegal that we're having this work conversation on the weekend. And then she's like, I don't care. Like, I'm just going to keep bugging yeah. you about this. Oh, God. There's so much interesting stuff in this whole season. Well, it's it's true in season one too and they just double down on it in season two which is like the it's interesting that in this climate that we're in right now consequence culture cancel culture whatever it might be that like we have a show pretty squarely dedicated to like work-life balance and like romance in the workplace and that kind of stuff and they just kind mm-hmm. of like lottie da through it too. Like they're they do not doing a hard it. look at it at all. They're just no. like, this is a thing. What's up, guys? Wink, wink. Keep going. Well, they ascribe the lottie dying through it to the Frenchness. Of yeah, it, right? yeah. They like have like cover, right? They have like this big shield of like we yeah. can kind of fuck around with this stuff and not take it seriously and not explore it. Because I'm France. curious if that's if that is like I don't know enough. I mean, we should ask Roma or somebody, but like. Is there any kind of like? It would have been smart to have Roman as a co-host on these episodes. He would have probably zero percent chance he watched it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he could just be our French fact checker. On, we we on could that. do a special episode where we just make him do live commentary while we watch the first episode together. Because I don't think he's yeah. going to get any further than that. Yeah, no. but I don't know if there is a workplace. Like I don't know if there's that if that movement exists, and that's just ignorance on my part. But like. Does it exist in Europe? Does it exist to the same degree? Or is there kind of a f- still a laissez-faire approach? Like- well, Danny and I were talking about that this morning with the season one when she sleeps with the younger brother and he's like, right. like 16 or 17. And like, there's no reason not to make him 18. Like if it was the US and this was since right. still the same lighthearted show, he would just be 18 and it would be funny that he was too young, but we wouldn't get into proper statutory rape, right? right. Like <laughs> we would just find the... F- the balance line that could still make it funny and not disturbing. But we don't, I mean, the, you don't there, right? That's, the that's thing. what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like, is that not a thing there? And then in that case, no, like, that's not the legal age of consent in, in France. I think it's 16 or something. But. So there you go. They're just like, but we as an American audience, which is uh, who it's for, I feel like, are it's like, 15. whoa. Yeah. I, uh, I should have Googled that. that that's, <laughs> That's great. Now that's going to be in your Google <laughs> records forever. <laughs> it, it's also interesting because I feel like, yeah, there's sort of two different things that you mentioned, Daryl, in terms of the the attitude towards the, the workplace. And one is that, in general, they're def- all of her coworkers are like, fuck off, don't talk to me about work after work or before work or this whole idea yeah. that you should be showing up at the office at 8 a.m. You're completely insane, which... I'm like, yeah, great, awesome. That is the correct attitude. Let's do that. Yeah, and then they're also, but then in terms of like boundaries, in terms of who you sleep with, they're like, no rules. Let's (laughs) offer, you know, photography assignments to this guy I just hooked up with. Why not? Right. Yeah, and that ends up being like an issue. And yeah, the the but the story isn't like, oh, this was an issue. The story was like. Will he still be with her? And then no, no. The story does. does go to that being an issue. Oh, okay, good. Okay, yeah. Because at first it seemed like they were just going to ignore that. And be no, like, it's um romance still. 
who is it that's it's the there's a rift between Sylvie and the perfume dude and the wife finds Antoine. out that they're sleeping together. Yeah. Antoine's wife finds out that she's sleeping uh, with the photographer and she's a she's gonna use that against them. Because there's also the plot line which develops, so I don't know how far you got into it, which is the American executive, Emily's boss coming. And again Oh no. Oh, okay. So they. This is actually an interesting piece of it that they foil Emily again, not only with her British romantic interest, um, but with the boss who is even less clued in to French culture. So she shows up and she actually does speak French, but she is off, like always off. Like she Mm. is wearing all the wrong things. She's talking about work at every party. She's just kind of like clumsy, touristy, like there's no elegance or mystery whatsoever. She She like sits on Sylvie's at Sylvie's desk early in the morning because you know you like don't go to work until 10 or whatever she like sits at Sylvie's desk and is there when Sylvie arrives and she's like eating breakfast like carrots and peanut butter or something like on Sylvie's desk (laughs) while she's pregnant (laughs) and like wears her like phone as like a on a strap over her body and stuff like it's just like the little details of it and it's very American so she's like the, the kind of rising plot business-wise as we go is that she keeps trying to take things over. So she's like, uh, Antoine should be paying more. And Sylvie's like, well, he's been with us since the beginning, since we launched Savoir. And there, it's like an, a, an exception to our... Right. Right? They're like part like of our growth story. Yeah, exactly. And we're, we've partnered and it's been really fruitful and they introduce us to other brands and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, no, they've grown a ton and you've helped that. So we should get paid more, which like causes a rift there. And then there's also a, an issue with one of the fashion shows. They bring on like another fashion artist that's against, what's his name? The, uh, the one from season one, Pierre Cadeau. Yeah. Cadeau, yeah. Yeah, and there's a big beef with that, and Savoir ends up getting fired from that as well because, again, the American is coming in and, like, doing it American style, and the French people are like, yeah, no, we don't need this. Like, right. So it actually ends up culminating, since you guys didn't see it, do you, do you want me to spoil it? That's fine, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. So yeah. it culminates in Sylvie getting uh, Luke and... Who's the other guy? I can't stand him, by the way. The super gay one. Julian. Julian. He's just so over the top. Um, and not oh, a great actor. Oh, the other actor. guy who works at the agency. Yeah. He's like not a good enough actor to pull off what they're asking him to do. But anyway, um, she gets those two guys together and decides, okay, fine. I'm just going to leave Savoir. I'm going to just go start another firm. And she does this by divorcing her husband, who like they were already like divorced and all but legal paperwork and he buys out her share of his restaurant in Saint-Tropez so that she has like the seed money to go and start her own firm and compete essentially and Emily feels left out because Emily wasn't told and then in the final scene of the show they invite Emily to lunch and ask her to be a part of it they were like we couldn't tell you to start right it's business and like we knew you'd go and try to fix it 
Like, but that's what you do, right. right? Like, you hear something and you're like, oh, I'll craft a plan and I'll work it all out and I'll sort it out. She's like, we didn't want it fixed. We're going to go do this, period. But we do want you to join us. Wow. Big, exciting changes ahead. And like so that's the, sort of the, cl- the cliffhanger? Yeah, so she's like on a she's on a bridge and she calls someone and you don't know who she calls and she's like, I've made my decision. And then... Well, I mean, it's probably them. Probably Unless them. It, would, it wouldn't make sense like, otherwise because like Savoie's probably not going to stay in France if like the whole thing's mutinied, right? Like, Well, maybe she just goes and runs Savoie and then they compete for all the clients. That right. Could be or like that's season three and then she joins for season four. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, Anyways, she does everything great... I don't want her to do. So she probably did stay in Savoie. Right. Know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. She, she makes a lot of wrong decisions. Yeah. I like when Sylvia's, or not Sylvia, um, Camille is very mad at her. That's my that's my favorite part of this season. Speaking of her making wrong decisions, right? So like, I, well, there's a the couple part, different. Well, the part before she, I don't know if she forgives her journey. You have to tell us, but like, there's the, there's there's the whole part at the start where she's just like will not even speak to her, and it's wonderful. And then she does the meeting thing that you referenced earlier, where like. She's like, oh, this. I want my business conducted in French. And so Emily has to basically not be on the business, which is great. Um, but then she kind of, she just forgives her. And it's like, oh, you didn't know that he was going to stay or blah, blah, blah. Like, and I, I'm over it. Right. But, so how it plays out, just so we all are on the same page, from my yeah. recollection, is that what's the British guy's name? Billy? Alfie? Alfie. Alfie, yeah. Alfie is slowly figuring out that there was something between Gabrielle and Emily. Hmm. And he asks her about it. She says, it happened. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Camille has stayed mad pretty much throughout, but they're all kind of like hanging still. And I think eventually she does forgive Emily and starts hanging out with Emily. And Alfie's like, you guys are like the wives of athletes. Or whatever. Because they're all at a <laughs> soccer game. And Camille's uh, like, oh, we're not together. Like, we used to date, but we're not. Like, I'm not his wife or girlfriend or whatever. Right. Um, and then something... I don't know what happens exactly, but Alfie clues in in a more serious way that Emily's into Gabrielle but he like fights for it still and is like, I'm going to London and I think we should try to be together for real. Like it's not a far trip or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like we can make it work. And she's like, sure. And then Emily, again, I don't, I forget what the catalyst to this was, but Emily realizes like, I have to at least tell Gabrielle, like I, she spends the entire season being like, I don't love him. Not a big deal. He should be with Cammy. I hurt my friend. Like, Cammy and Gabrielle should get back together. I should move on. And finally, like, her emotions grind her down, and she decides she should go and at least tell Gabrielle how she feels. And uh-huh. she's goes to his door and is talking to him and kind of working her way up to it. And he knows what she's about to say. And Cammy takes headphones off from inside the apartment and says uh, we're moving in together so we're back at square one on wow. the love triangle i mean that makes sense for a show like this but uh, could be interesting i i will say also like just to rewind a little bit like my favorite episode so far is the 
birthday party episode. And that is early in the season where, at this point, Camille has not discovered that uh, Gabrielle and Emily slept together. And so she's just like, Emily, you're the best. You're supporting me, you know, through this breakup. You're awesome. And then Mindy decides to throw this sort of, and, and Emily decides to throw this spontaneous, more or less spontaneous dinner party. And while they're, well, even before the dinner party, in a very sort of dumb but entertaining coincidence, uh, Emily and Camille are on the same block as the person who she was going to go to Saint-Tropez with. Right. And so after Emily leaves, Camille is like, oh, I'm going to go confront this guy and give him a, a piece of my mind. And he's like, what What are you talking about? Like, uh, Emily was having an affair with somebody else, so this isn't... Like, I'm not the bad guy here. Yeah. And so that seed has already been planted. And so at the dinner, I mean, and for the last couple of episodes, or maybe just one episode, Camille has been talking about uh, Gabrielle's omelet pan and how it has his initials on them. And so you'd sort of like Chekhov's omelet pan, because you know that at some point she's going to find it. Well, she even picks it up, like in the first episode or something. Yeah. And looks at it briefly, but doesn't, it doesn't click for her. But yeah. Right. And so then at the end of the dinner she says because it's outdoors and she says i'm gonna go back into the i'm oh i'm gonna go get the uh the champagne that's been chilling and i remember just like shouting at the tv oh no and then she (laughs) goes picks up the pan sees his initials comes out and gives a toast where she is basically like fuck both of you and it is glorious yes it is is a good good. scene it's just a like roundly good scene and she and in general her her response is like good like she just does a very convincing job of being like yes this is the response and this is i this is how i would expect it to be and you seem very on like genuinely emotional about it which is great right yeah and it's not like over the top like kicking screaming crying but it's like honest and firm and then there's like the cutting, slight like devastating if you of emulating, like just right. dropping the glass not like throwing the glass yeah yeah i like that i thought it was also believable that like when they reconcile it's not like actually everything it's great it's let's pretend everything's okay but actually we're very cold and passive aggressive to each other and also yeah. that Camille opens it with a very spectacular sort of demand of like let's make a pact that neither of us will end up with Gabriel. right right just totally ridiculous. hilarious to like re like add back some tension i guess but the i think the the part about the the forgiveness that i think is best is that like it's through no action really like all of the actions that emily takes to do it are like rebuffed and kind of stupid also like the letter yes. or whatever the letter and the response to the letter were great but like because she writes her letter in French and her, her halting broken French. Oh, it's so good. It's like a, it's like when Charlie writes the speech in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. That is complete nonsense. For, uh, but like that. The, so all of that happens. But then like she doesn't. She just like becomes less emotional over time and gains some distance from it. And then realizes what the circumstances are, which is like a realistic way that someone would come around to forgive someone for something like that. Right. Yeah. It's like nothing you can do will do this. But me coming to this on my own because yeah. of realizing the truth of the situation will help. Right. right. And that like Camille has like a very right before she makes her 
basically insane demand of the pact. She has a very realistic and fair breakdown of the situation, which is like, I totally get why you slept with him. You thought he was leaving and we were broken up. Fair enough. Just as my friend, you should have told me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what should have happened. Yes. And then she's like, now let's make a pact. Right. Stupid pact. Are there other storylines or characters that... I, I think we've, we've underplayed how obnoxious Alfie is when he's first introduced. So he is a, a classmate of hers in this French class who initially just like blows her off completely when she needs a partner. And instead she gets paired up with this Russian who turns out to be a shoplifter. Yeah. Which again, I thought Emily sort of overreacted to where she was like fighting her in the street. Listen, she's you gotta Ukrainian. bring this stuff back. She's a Ukrainian shoplifter. Yeah, get it right. And oh, sorry. There was a lot of negative response for people being like, this is a very harmful stereotype of Ukrainian <laughs> immigrants. <laughs> but I was also on the on her side. I was like, great, well you got away with it. Who cares? Keep yeah, going. Yeah. Like why? Like I. Like You're just pro theft. Bro- I understand. That's different. Yeah, you don't. Think I just love free. about consequences. Clearly, <laughs> but she's like, I will fight you on the street to bring these things back, which seems like a horrible idea. Did you just say I live free? Are you talking about commercial? Free. He just said, oh, I oh, love yeah, I thought free. you said live free. I thought you like, said live, I live like free, as... and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I live free. I have a desperate shop again. Bad capitalism is theft. <laughs> Um, yeah, that whole bit was, was Alfie being insufferable was annoying to me because I just like didn't feel good about anything with him after that. It was harder. Yeah. It was harder to make the switch and be like in his camp because he was so good at being just like reprehensible at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also an inherent challenge of when you introduce new characters in season two and beyond in a soap opera you're just like well obviously this is a person introduced so that they can be a romantic this is a season two character yeah right to sort of like draw this out so they don't end up with who they're obviously going to end up with and then the fact that he's so obnoxious on top of that even though he gets nicer as it goes along i'm still like eh whatever fine yeah and they didn't like they're not shy about it either i think on the like emily and in paris season two like uh, thumbnail for Netflix. It's like a picture of him and Emily walking, yeah. and you're like, okay, well, I know what's going to well, yeah, happen. Well, yeah, they used. Now. I think they used a bunch of images with both of them to like set up, like, oh, there's a new sexy guy in this season. Like that was, because I think they thought that was a big part of the appeal of the first season was this guy is really hot. It's fun to look at this guy, the French guy, and listen to him and stuff. And then the marketing campaign for season two is like, now there's two. There's a British guy now. You like Brits? Yeah. Wow. What a show. But I did it. I did it work because, I mean, you know, the the French guy, I don't remember his name. Uh, Gabrielle. Gabrielle. When when Gabrielle comes on, you just kind of melt. You're like, oh, boy, look at this guy. He's so good looking. Wow. He's very good looking. But uh, that was the other part that I liked was the the rift between Gabrielle and the investor, because it was very funny and cartoonish in a way that I found very pleasant. Like they were talking, <laughs> you know, before they're like, oh, we're partners and like, here's our chats about everything. And at no point did they discuss like, do you want it to be like a party hub nightclub? And then yeah, they like Gabrielle missed a doesn't. big thematic, like what's the yeah. core of what we're doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
the guy's like it just makes it into a fucking circus show and the 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 food critic happens to be there and is like this is disgusting (laughs) champagne spilled on me but again that is that is what is so good about emily in paris is it's all so ridiculous but it's also fun enough that you just go along with it or at least i do it does, like, there is a core of something kind of emotionally real there that you would expect that whatever tension exists between the two of them would come to a head on opening night in this sort of pressure cooker situation. It's just right. that it was in the sort of silliest way because it was clear they'd never had a conversation about this before. Yeah. Yeah. And they're stubborn. They're French bulls. They're both stubborn and they need to preserve their ego. While also getting their way. <laughs> Anyway, I think we're petering out. What do you guys think? I don't know. I, I think, think so. we're just getting started. Yeah, with we just scratched accent. the surface. <laughs> we just scratched the surface. Oh my god, I'm so it's, bad it's at a, it. It's a great show. If you know what you're getting into, watch it. Love it. It's it's exactly what I needed right now. Yeah, yeah. it really is a rock solid vibe for the beginning of 2022 yeah. when we're all just like in wait and see mode. Like, is this the if end? If you need more. For the start of 2022, it's worth mentioning the Too Hot to Handle is also back for season three. So Yeah, I should know. probably get on that. I'm doing Ozark right now. So wow. Well, Ozark, I mean, it's a good uh, palate cleanser for Ozark <laughs> in between episodes. Yeah, Ozark is dark and <laughs> intense, but I feel like I've waited so long. It was like, remember, it's been like a top five show for me for a long time. Yeah. No, I know. You I had to it. wait a really long time for this next season. So, yeah. But I mean, it uh, it's not fair. I guess too hot to handle is also kind of dark, so maybe it may be overload because those teens or whatever they can't fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, that is real hard, hard to for deal them. With. Yeah, <laughs> actually, they can. It's just quite expensive. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's not money they ever had. So technically, no, no, you could exactly. just go on and have fun and fuck and I wish walk there was away more with ethical the exact display. amount of money that you had. Or not ethical, but I wish there was more like meta discussions about that about like. Look, when we came in here, we weren't expecting any money out. So, therefore, ergo, but like they don't really get into the. It would be interesting if there was like a cash prize for having completed it without breaking the rules. But if the money that came out came out of your actual bank account, <laughs> yes. like you're going to lose existing money that you have. Yeah. But if you make it through, you get a bunch of extra new money. Yeah. Netflix, if you, there you use go, that, Netflix. you have to pay us money. Um, TM, TM, TM. Copyright. Yeah, if you use that, you have to give us money. And if you use that, you have to stop letting Mindy sing on Emily in Paris. <laughs> Actually, we d- we'll forgo the money if you do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, in lieu of the money. I mean, I think really if they want to do that, if they want the stakes to be high enough, they just have to go the squid game approach. There's a giant yeah, pot yeah. of money. If you fail, we'll kill you all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Squid game's if coming back, sex, too. <laughs> we'll kill Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. That's right. That's going to be good. we got a lot of good See, stuff coming. There are coming. things to look forward to. At least with the pandemic, they like started to figure out how to make shows again. So like... Oh, yeah. They got, got a, they got over that... The that, hump. The hump, yeah. Because stuff is coming out fast and furious now. It seems like every week there's tons of new stuff, which is great. The surprising thing to me with Emily in Paris was the fact that they had a lot of street crowd scenes, mm-hmm. which... They did. I think in general you have to sort of cut back on because it has to be a very controlled set. But here it seems like... Great, because like, it was just shooting in the streets of Paris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyone can show up. It's great. The same armor that France provides to the rest of the show, it did so for COVID too. Probably not actually. <laughs> I think they're pretty strict over there, but 
Yeah, I have no. I mean, I, I assume that they hopefully had very strong protocols, and they were just able to do that and also a crowd scene. Everyone's but more strict than us. We're over here like you can have a potluck of forty people, and your isolation period is twelve minutes. Yeah, yes. The U.S. <laughs> seem, kicks ass. It's starting to be like uh, statistically too. It's like oh, you know, like friends in the u.s like oh i have covid again i'm like oh well i think it's i think maybe those measures actually might have some <laughs> some effect then in that case because it's clustering mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great to be in a place where there's like two restrictions tops and yet people are still like i can't Look, stand I this assault on my liberty <laughs> like how can you live in new york where you're basically locked up in a yeah. prison and anyway yeah even Let's even here political. my friends just moved from new zealand and they're like this is your lockdown? Because we're in a lockdown right now. And I'm like, yeah, this is lockdown. And they're like, this is nothing. We couldn't order food to our house for months. Like, we were not allowed to leave the city limits. They were they were guarded by, <laughs> by the New Zealand Defense Force. And it, they had check marks at all the roads out of the city. Wow. And we, we couldn't order a pizza for pickup or delivery. This is not. This is nothing. And I'm like, oh wow, yeah, you guys had real lockdown. Yeah, no, That's we keep. Lockdown. We I had pizza throughout the entire pandemic. There wasn't a phase of the pandemic where I wasn't allowed to get pizza. Yeah, pizza is a basic human right. Yeah. Well, if you have thoughts about the appropriate level of pandemic lockdown and or Emily in Paris, shoot us an email. Info yeah. at original content podcast. Or leave it in a review. That would be cool. Yeah, do it. Leave it, do it in it a, a review. review. Just give us five stars and then tell us mm-hmm. what you think is the correct level what of makes lockdown sense for on lockdown. Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. yeah. or any other podcast app after you've subscribed. Uh, also follow us on Twitter at Original Content. Thank you so much for listening. Daryl and Jordan, talk to you soon. Later. Bye-bye.